Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So what are you supposed to do between each Engadget podcast? Wait in silence? I'm Matt Smith, and every morning I walk through the day's biggest tech stories. It's short, relevant, and ready for listening whenever you wake up. Find Engadget Morning Edition wherever you find your podcasts, or ask your smart speaker for the latest news from Engadget. What's up, Internet, and welcome back to the Engadget Podcast. I'm Senior Editor Devendra Hardwar. And I'm Matt Smith, the UK Bureau Chief at Engadget.com. Hello, hello, Matt. Uh, This is the CES episode. CES 2023 is happening right now. We're kind of at the tail end of it, even though technically I think this is the first day as we're recording this on Thursday. But uh, over at Engadget, like we are CES uh, from the beginning of December, honestly, even earlier, um, talking to companies, working on a lot of things. So we've got a lot of stuff to catch up on some big announcements, some weird gadgets, as usual. Sherlyn is busy at the show, so she can't make it for this episode, uh, but we will have Chris Bell joining us later on to talk about the on-the-ground experience. As always, folks, if you're enjoying the Gadget Podcast, please be sure to leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, and be sure to subscribe as well. Drop us an email at podcast at engadget.com, and uh, if you're around on Thursday mornings, we typically do a live stream on our YouTube channel around 10.30 a.m. Eastern. That's 10.30 a.m. Um, we used to be 10 a.m., but uh, we want a little more breathing room, and uh, Sherlyn wants more time to prepare for the show. So join us 10.30 a.m. It's a fun time. Sometimes we show off gadgets, and we often do Q&A. So, Matt, it's been, what, two years since we've actually had a decent on-the-ground experience at CES, um, like when the pandemic, uh, what, 2021 fully remote. 2022, there was some on-the-ground stuff, but we didn't go at all. Now we have basically half of our team there, half of us doing it remotely. You and I are doing it from home. Um, how, how do you feel, though, going into the CES? It's uh, it's interesting, isn't it? I thought it wasn't going to be as kind of uh, notable as it has been right, so far. Yeah, yeah. Like, I thought it'd be more chill. Yeah. yeah, yeah, totally that. Like, I think especially in the kind of the main silos of uh, PC... TV and auto, it's as busy as it's ever been. And that's kind of surprised me. For sure, for sure. It does seem like a lot of companies actually had news. And I think prior to the problem last year was even when there was a virtual CES, there really wasn't that much news to go around. Um, You know, everybody's been affected by the pandemic and slowdowns in so many things too, like in manufacturing and in product development. So it does feel like this year, like we are back into the swing of things because we've got like the usual new batches of PC hardware, a lot of new TV tech, um, some weird gadgets, which are always fun to see. Um, it does feel like CS is like back in action. Um, it, it feels very familiar to me right now, at least. 
Yeah, I, I do wonder, like, from, from the things we've been picking up at the kind of evening shows at Las Vegas, it has seemed like a lot of the smaller companies have possibly, or startups have shied away this year. That's just my my kind of spider sense. Like, I have nothing to back that up with with numbers, but, like, the kind of the weird, bizarre conversation water cooler gadgets, there's, like, literal water coolers in some cases. Like, there's less of them this year than I think I've seen when I've been kind of trawling the show floor. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, it it is weird. Like a CES is sometimes just a dumping ground for a lot of companies too, who kind of go there and don't have a plan about the gadgets they're doing. It seems a little more focused this year, at least. Uh, we're going to talk about some of these things, but we have at least two P analyzers. Um, there there are smart toilets that cost a ton of money. Yeah, I wanna I wanna know what's going on with my P. Finally, there's a way to know immediately. Thank you, CES. But you know what, Matt? Let's uh let's start with some of the major topics going into the show. And I think for me, CES is always a very big show when it comes to PC hardware, uh, both the internal hardware and laptops and things like that too. And we've got some like big all around news. um, And unfortunately, like a lot of things that land on me to cover. Uh, (laughs) That includes Intel's uh, 13th gen mobile chips, which are going to be going up to 24 cores. Um, And AMD also announced their new Ryzen 7000 mobile CPUs and Radeon mobile graphics. Um, NVIDIA unveiled the RTX 4070 Ti, which is um, sort of mid-range. It is their cheapest 4000 series GPU, but it's still 799. And they also unveiled RTX 4000 mobile graphics coming to laptops. So basically at CES, we typically find the hardware that's going to be powering all of our PCs for the rest of the year. And this is it. It's a pretty wide slate, fast new hardware. The CPUs in particular seem pretty wild um just to reiterate like intel is using a hybrid design so they're saying 24 cores um that's made up of a combination of performance cores and um efficient cores and it's kind of how they get there so the top end chip the uh i9 13980hx has 24 cores uh with eight performance cores and 16 efficient cores just just absolutely wild so i cannot wait to benchmark that chip and see how it goes into um AMD's thing, on the other hand, is finally bringing 16-core Ryzen chips to laptops. But the difference is these are 16, like, full-power cores. So it is kind of like a difference in strategy Intel and AMD are taking. On my desktop right now, I'm running one of the newer AMD chips, and it it, it is crazy fast. But I'm also hearing from people running 13-gen Intel that they're even faster, um, just judging from the reviews and things like that. So, hey, what do you expect, Matt? Like, with all this hardware, what are you thinking you'd like to see from laptops this year i like this 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 notion that the two major players are going in completely different directions like um i think you know it isn't one chip to fit all use cases so i'm kind of intrigued by the fact this is going in so many divergent directions now and we'll get to it later some of these uh, laptop designs that like it's a gaming pc but it's not going to last that long or it's a gaming PC, but it's not that strong Uh, or it's a workhorse machine for video, but it might not have the killer gaming screen. Like there's all these different use cases. I'm I'm amazed to think there's enough demand across the spectrum of hardcore laptop users for all of them, but it's a great, it's a great time to pick up a laptop if if you have a very specific use case. Yeah. It does seem like the variety is going to be very nice for a lot of people uh, because there are different voltages too. So both Intel and AMD have like lower power chips, which are like 15 watts and under meant for ultra portables. And Intel's going even lower in some cases um, with their really like thin and light chips. But now there's like more options between 15 and 35 watts, 35 watts and 65 watts and like going up and up and up. The higher you go, like beyond 35 watts, like that's a gaming laptop, basically. 
Um, but more voltage means more power, means less battery life. But it does mean like that laptop can basically do desktop work. Um, I'm really interested to see like how these new chips will roll with the RTX 4090, which is actually going to be making it into laptops. Um, and even into the Asus uh, Zephyrus G14, which is a pretty thin 14-inch gaming mo- notebook. You know, that thing is under four pounds. The last one we reviewed was like 3.6 pounds. Um, 4090 in that just sounds pretty wild, but it is worth clarifying that uh, uh, NVIDIA's notebook GPUs are inherently slower. They're a little like underclocked. They're not as good as the desktop version. So in a sense, that number is just kind of branding, but still it's um, just the idea of 4090 power in a notebook like the G14 is pretty wild to me. Yeah. Are you looking to upgrade anytime soon, Matt? Or are you just like, like seeing the new hardware? I know I've said this like probably three times ago when I was on this podcast that I need to just kind of jump into like PC laptops again. Yeah. I run yeah, yeah, MacBooks yeah. for work. I, I'm a console gamer by and large, but I still have a back catalog of Steam games from back when I did used to have a gaming PC. Um, I'm intrigued by the Steam Deck, so maybe that'll nudge me back into you PC should, gaming. You should maybe really consider the Steam Deck if you have an existing Steam library, because that thing has changed my life. Yeah, yeah, I'm hearing that a lot. Um, but I just wonder how much, how much, <laughs> how many gaming platforms is too many gaming platforms? You know, at some no point. such thing. No, <laughs> I, knew you, I knew that was going to be your answer as well. Um, having said that, um, am I jumping ahead a, li- a little bit? We haven't yeah, got it go in this it, rundown it. here, but mm-hmm. uh, the Dell G series gaming mm-hmm. laptops. Mm-hmm are surprisingly attractive yeah like i did i saw those uh so sam rutherford wrote those up over at engadget and dell typically unveils a new slew of like premium alienware stuff and um the g series is their like budget line so g series like this year they have colors they have cool nice designs kind of cool it's kind of like 80s retro almost um and they're cheap like they still cost under a thousand dollars to begin with so that's pretty pretty well. Maybe do you want to go that route, Matt? Is that the thing? I feel like or you're maybe, more premium. That's the thing. Um, but yeah, when, you know, the premium in gaming laptops means it's good for half a year, and then you're you're terrible. You you are basically spending two thousand dollars or more for hardware. Yeah, that will be obsolete real quick. Yeah, and that's why I was thinking maybe a G series is a good place to see whether whether I could fit it into my life without sacrificing thousands upon thousands of dollars um, for sure, at the for same sure. time. I would recommend like more of a mid-range one. So that's why I like the Asus G series. Um, the yeah. Asus G series are not budget machines, but the G14, G15, and I believe there's a G16. Um, those are all like pretty powerful. They don't look like razor blades. They don't feel like razor blades, but they're still like really good build quality and great, like great performance in general. So that'd be good for you. While we're talking about Dell as well, the Alienware have revealed a new 18 inch, how portable? How lovingly portable? How lovingly portable? It's, uh, <laughs> I mean, they're, they're just going big. Like, the weird thing is, um, when a lot of PC makers were going super thin and light, Dell was just like, nah, for, yeah. for at least some of its lineup. So they have the M series Alienware desktops or laptops, and then they have the X series, and the X series are super thin and light and less powerful. The M series are where they go all out. And this year for the first time, actually not for the first time, they've had, I believe, an 18-inch in like 2004 or something, like yeah, some, some yeah, early so. time. Yeah, um, but then. this is their first 18-inch laptop in a very long time. The M18 looks massive. Um, it is it is heavy. So this thing, here's the thing. Like they announced um, an M16, an M18, and new X16 models. And the X16 is supposed to be a thin and light. Um, the X16 itself weighs um, quite a ton. Like it, it weighs a bit more than I expected. 
the X16 is six pounds, which is more than I expect from most gaming laptop companies. Um, I believe the Razer Blade 17 clocks in around six pounds or something like that. So Dell is still, even with their thin lights, still going higher than everybody else, but they have a new design. Their design language is more refreshed. What is going up on with those uh, trackpads as well? The trackpads have RGB, and they've had RGB trackpads for a while, but they just light up. That's all it is. But it looks cool with the X-Series. Um, it it kind of... it 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 it's like breathing LEDs, you know, and yeah. uh, I, I like the style. You, is there a degree of customability? Can you customize yeah. those? To kind yeah, of you that? can customize the lights, and you, know, you can also customize the rear lights. Um, this year, Dell is basically um, polishing the overall design language they've had before. Uh, it's called Legend. That is when um, the Alienware started looking like basically '80s computers, like from '80s sci-fi movies, and. Uh, They've slowly refined it. Uh, there used to be a lot of like annoying, ugly, black, glossy plastic. That's gone. It's a, it's a little easier to hold now. They're a little thinner. They just look really good, too. So if you want a laptop that's like striking, I feel like you're paying a little for that, just to look different than the crowd, right? Yeah, yeah. So basically, every laptop maker has announced something new. Asus has a whole bunch of ROG models. We just want to highlight some of the ones that are kind of interesting. And I think one... That really caught my eye are HP's new Dragonfly Pro laptops, which are not gaming laptops. In fact, they're very, very simple. Like, they're meant to be almost MacBook-like. You know, colorful computers that consumers can easily buy that have, like, very understandable specifications. And I feel like that's... That is something we have not seen very much in the PC market. Um, And these things look cool. Have you seen some of these laptops, Matt? Yeah, I was intrigued by them. I like um I'm more baffled by the idea that the Chromebook kind of has better specs for some reason in certain regards. That doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, I'm just looking at on my notes now, but yeah, like the Chromebook version of this uh the Dragonfly Pro, the Chromebook has, has a 2560 by 1600. Yeah, yeah, which and then the Windows one only has like 1920 by 1200, which really doesn't make any sense to anyone, but they've done it. I do not know why. That, that is a weird thing. I feel like um so 2560 is 1440p um, plus technically and, uh, 1920 by 1200 is like 1080 plus. So that is pretty wild. Um, so, wonder wonder like so they, they can get like mm-hmm. Chromebook, like, um, you know, that, uh, the, the cloud gaming push Google made with Chromebook. I wonder if it's so that you can get like accredited for that or something or like, you maybe, know, slide maybe into just, that category. Yeah. There don't seem to be any stickers on these boxes and it's unclear, like, these are definitely not like streaming game streaming computers or, you know, computers just uh, targeted for any specific purpose like that. They're just like, hey, here, here's some really nice looking computers. Um, yeah, the Chromebook has an 8 megapixel webcam and a 1200 nit LCD as well. The Windows one has a 5 megapixel webcam and a what 400 nit screen. On. I am. I feel like there was a mistake. I feel like maybe they should have swapped <laughs> those specs. For the people who really want to do someone, more with their computers. Someone copy and pasted into the wrong part of the spreadsheet. Uh-huh, and now uh-huh. we have to and live with kept, consequences. They just kept building it forever, yeah. <laughs> forever. Um, but they look like really um, clean. They remind me yeah, of the Surface laptop quite a bit too. So I do want to see more of this from PC makers. I feel like that's interesting for sure. There's also LG's updated Grams, which I wanted to call out because the Grams have always been like among the super thin kind of the first batch of laptops that really went for extreme thinness, extreme lightness. They're getting even lighter this year. They're getting hidden touchpads, which I guess are a little like the XPS 13 Plus, where they kind of disappear into the bezel. It has LED backlighting that illuminates when you touch it. So I guess that's like the thing. It's not fully, fully hidden. But uh, yeah, the new Gram Ultra Slim 
feels LG's thinnest notebook yet. It weighs um, 998 grams, 9% Whoa, lighter than the models. Yeah, under a kilo. I, what's that in pounds? Do you have the... You know, exact? I don't know. I, I run in kilograms. So let me just... One kilogram in pounds. It's 2.2 pounds. Yeah, that's, that's kind of like... The grams have always about run... six. Mm-hmm. For, that, for that Alienware mm-hmm. warrant earlier. For the Alienware. Uh, the grams have always run at like two and a half pounds and under. So this is kind of in that line. It has a 15.6 OLED screen with 1080p resolution. Um, another computer that just seems like very nice, very chill. Not as, uh, it's probably going to be more, much more expensive than those HPs, which are more mainstream. But I do like the gram. I do like the idea of it. Like um, LG's gram mm-hmm. series has always been a kind of curio to me because they keep making them year in, year out. So which means that there is definitely... An audience for it. By ne- you know, you never see someone with an LG laptop. I've never seen it anywhere. in a coffee shop in New York, it, working anywhere. It is it is kind of wild. LG gave up on phones, right, several years ago. So they're not afraid to, like, give up on a category if it's not doing well. So clearly something is working out for them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, every time I've had to, like, had to, when I've had to work work with them or cover them at a trade show, I'm always like, oh, this is actually really nice and surprisingly solid. I think you go to it and you're like, oh, this is going to be one of those kind of plasticky, chintzy feeling laptops. But it's always solid, fast. And yeah, it's LG, so it always has a really good screen usually. The screens are usually really good. Um, I think I reviewed one like 2018. And one thing I noticed is that the case felt um, almost like a car, like car alloy. So it was like a little more flexible than I'd like. That's what kind of makes it so light. Um, but I don't, I don't want a laptop where I can push this case and like start to feel the internals. Like that seems like bad. That seems bad if you're putting it into your, into your book bag or anything. Um, yeah, we've, we've got a nice selection of laptops, by the way, go to engadget.com, you know, check out all our stuff. If you Google, um, CS 2023, um, or just hit the CS 2023 tag in any of our stories, you'll see everything we've got going on. And, uh, we're going to be pumping out stories like all week, probably into next week. One so, final honorable mm-hmm. mention, by the way, for the LG Gram. Um, respect that their their press photo has a guy propping his LG Gram on a pile of books and magazines because that is real life use. And I respect that's real that. life. That's how you. That's podcast. how I live my mm-hmm. life. Yes. One thing I wanted to call out in the uh, in the PC side too. We've talked about Dell's concept Nix before, and that was this weird idea that Dell had of like giving you a home server that you could basically stream games to your TV or to other devices. Uh, Maybe on your TV, you could have a split screen game experience. I did not quite like it very much last year. This year, they showed off a controller. And uh, I've got feelings. So go check it out. It's Dell's Concept Next Gamepad. I wrote it up, and we did a video of it, too. Um, It looks like your typical Xbox 360 gamepad or Xbox One gamepad at this point. Um, But instead of a directional pad, there is... um, a circular touchpad and that is very strange to me it seems like dell um basically took like a hybrid version of the steam controller and mix it with an xbox gamepad and you kind of get this thing and have to say not not a fan not a huge fan of it i couldn't actually play any games with it but holding this thing it did me it, it did remind me of like what i didn't like about the steam controller of like you don't have precise uh directions with a trackpad it may be good for like mouse scrolling in some PC games, but it's not quite the same. Like looking at this thing, Matt, like what are your, what are your initial thoughts? I just thought it was a rebadged, uh, they've just taken stock of all those unused Google Stadia controllers and just whacked some Dell branding on it. And whacked just some Dell. I mean, it. the Stadia controllers didn't have a touchpad, right? Or did they? No, they didn't. No, 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 no. But the, the whole shape looks so much like the Stadia controller. It's unbelievable. That's... I mean, I feel like every controller looks like this now, right? Like it's everybody basically to, yeah. took this the singularity. idea. 
Um, it's basically the expanded Super Nintendo controller or Shrunken Dan Dreamcast controller, however you want to put it. <laughs> uh, there are some interesting ideas. Um, they did add uh, capacitive touch sensitivity along the top left and right buttons. So you can like swipe your fingers for different things. There are buttons on the rear. The triggers are like programmable for different things so sort of like the playstation 5 controller and along the bottom if you look like between the leds there there are two um scrolly wheels like scroll wheels that help you go between different uh settings on the controller so some really cool ideas here but i didn't i just didn't like the way this thing felt i think they're um they're also their analog sticks felt really cheap too um it is an improvement for dell from the alienware concept ufo controller which looked like basically a jaguar controller if you remember that back in the day um, that thing was awful. I hate holding that. So this is clearly a step forward, but these are concepts. They're not really going to go anywhere for Dell. And, um, I tried really hard not to make the Dell people cry, but when I'm disappointed in something, I'm like, I, I, I do be like, Oh, so why, why did you do this? That's an interesting choice. Why, why this feels not great. Um, uh, please explain yourself. Um, check out our video, check out the write-up of this thing too. And you know what? Let me know what you think, because I've already had people on Twitter, uh, yelling at me saying, I am not recognizing the brilliance of this, uh, controller <laughs> revolution. I'm like, guys, I've been holding game controllers since I fought, since I was five, you know? So I like that stuff is ingrained in me among the like earliest gadgets, um, earliest gadgets I've ever touched, but also the feeling of like what a bad controller is, is something I learned really early on as a kid, like with third parties and stuff. So you know what? Like there, there's just uh, so much to go into there. Like I, I want to try this thing. I do want to do that. Um, so yeah, that's PC stuff. Uh, we're going to be looking at a lot of the laptops. Basically a lot of these laptops that we're talking about are going to be launching in February and March. Um, so we're going to be reviewing some, I'm really interested in like testing out what those new Intel and AMD chips can do. I just want to get the Zephyrus G14, to be honest. Like I want to see what's possible there. Let's move on to some of our other CS news. Now, CES is usually a pretty big show for TVs, and I, I, I think after going to it for over 10 years, I can see why, right? Like, you <laughs> need a lot of space to show off big screens, and it seems like every TV company has just, like, gotten into the habit of bringing all their new toys. So we've got a bunch of new stuff, uh, pretty much the usuals, like LG has unveiled a bunch of new OLEDs. Um, one thing that's really struck my eye, though, is uh, LG's 97-inch M3 TV, which is an OLED, and it can wirelessly receive 4K 120 hertz video. So we have a picture of that. I don't, yeah, we didn't do video coverage of this, but this is on like a uh, giant easel legs. It is a huge screen. And just the idea of doing wireless reception, uh, it's using zero connect wireless video. This is the first TV to use that technology. Um, but basically you plug your stuff into an external box, like some of Samsung's TVs now, and that wirelessly shoots the video over to the TV Good idea or bad idea, Matt? Like, what do you what do you think of this concept? I love when these TV concepts kind of strip away the unnecessary cables and stuff. Like, uh, I mean, Samsung's been doing it with its frame series for I, I don't know five years or so now. And um, honestly, all of Samsung's TVs have like a single cable that connects yeah. to the TV, and then there's a little box that has they power oddly and are the, all the inputs. Yeah, and they're the only one that seems to be doing that when it seems like such a smart solution. Um, so yeah, I like I like it. Um, of course, it's a classic CES conundrum where we don't see. You know, we don't have someone playing Xbox on this to see what the latency is like. You know, how does it, you know, I understand it will broadcast it, but that seems like it's a bit yeah. of a mystery box in that yeah. way. How yeah. does yeah. that work? Um, 
Will there there is broadcasting, and then there is, uh, if you're a gamer, then you're worried about latency, and that's where milliseconds matter. LG is not talking about the technology. I haven't looked fully into Zero Connect as well, but it does seem like something that is maybe, maybe that's not the problem to solve. Maybe for some users it is, but I do feel like, just give me a breakout box. Like, the breakout box can be near the TV, but just, like, separate those connections and the TV, like, give me a single cable. Samsung is doing it right. I don't know if they've patented that design. Um, this feels, I don't know, innovation for the sake of innovation almost. Yeah. I mean, to LG's credit, at least they aren't coming with wirelessly streaming 1080p at 60 Hertz or some other segment up to this maximum we're seeing here. And this is what you want to see, because if you're buying this kind of giant OLED that costs thousands upon thousands of dollars, it's got to last, it's got to, you know, keep on that bleeding edge for at least a couple of years. Yeah, I just don't um, want to think about my reception for my 4K yeah. OLED. Like, I don't want to worry yeah. about that personally. So I'm somebody, I like wires. I don't think wires are bad. You just got to kind of hide them and take care of them. Uh, but I went to great lengths to like string Ethernet to my office here, you know, so in my basement. So I did that for a reason. So we can do the show without worrying about wireless reception and things like that. I can And like imagine, any kind yeah. of any kind of excuses or accommodations like, well, you'd plug in your high end Blu-ray player into the box. I'm like, surely if you have this expensive a TV, you want it to play everything you already own and use every service available to you without you having to make a workaround to get the best possible quality out of it. For sure. For so, yeah, sure. It, yeah it, it's another problem in the chain yeah. of many problems that can happen in your TV. Also, if you ever use Bluetooth, like headphones with your TV while yeah. you're watching stuff, syncing that up is already a problem. Now you're going to be dealing with two different delays and getting those delays in sync. And man, I don't, that, that just sounds like a headache to me, even with the Apple TV, which makes, um, Bluetooth super easy, even with the AirPods Pro. There, there's sometimes weird delays, and I just can't figure it out. And it's super, super frustrating. Um, kind of along this line, let's talk about weird OLEDs, right? So we also covered, <laughs> Sherlin covered the Displace 55-inch OLED TV, which sticks onto any wall or window? Vacuum seals. Uh-huh. So yeah, it's got like active vacuum sealing, like, you know, motors and suckers and stuff. So apparently, once it detects the surface, it will start the, that that process going and you kind of hold it to the surface it's like a gecko that's just like oh wall 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 i'm gonna gonna stick it's a gecko that can stream footage of other geckos Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's also i believe it's also battery powered too yeah battery powered so it doesn't have cables or ports on it at all it takes a handful of batteries so so like with the batteries in it apparently it'll last at least six hours of content streaming and again it speaks to your point earlier this is wireless as well so this is broadcasting in some way but without the zero kit connect technology. This is just like, I look at this thing and I'm like, I just see problems. I just see. Oh, for sure. Oh, but it's man. so cool too. It, it is so cool. I mean, it's like, oh, so what happens if your active um, vacuuming technology fails? Or you get you get a little bit drunk or a bit sleepy, fall asleep, those six hours of battery run out and then the suction powers. Yeah, what happens? What happens? I assume it still stays suction, but say you leave and go on vacation for a month or something and you forget about, oh no, I forgot to not just like... <laughs> unsucker my TV. I forgot to unsucker my TV and store it away properly, <laughs> as everyone should. Um, I yeah, don't know. Totally. I don't know about this one. It's certainly a wild idea. We have video of this too. So um, go go check that out. But I just look at this like... If I was there, I would just be like asking these guys questions. I'm like, okay, so uh, what problem are you solving here? Mounting TVs is hard. Mounting TVs is hard. That's a problem. Um, there are it has handles that. too. Let's not forget. It does have it handles. Has handles. It does look like it can, e- like it's easy for one. It, they say it's under 20 pounds. So it seems like it's easy for a person to do. 
Um, there's a pop up 4K camera, um, which can do video calls and all sorts of stuff too. Uh, it's going to be. It doesn't three- come with a remote, which I think is annoying. So I never use gesture controls ever. And I don't no want gesture to controls, use please. gesture controls. Please. So yeah, it doesn't come with a remote. So you have to use gesture controls. And it's uh, currently $3,000, and they're making 100 units available for pre order. $3,000. For $3,000, you can get. Um, Actually, more than a 65-inch OLED. I believe you can get up to 75 inches Like if you put if you use your money correctly. So I just look at this and I'm like, oh, this is a really cool CES idea. Um, I don't know what you guys are thinking. I don't know. I, I just don't know. Like as a consumer, I'm like, you, you know you can buy TV stands. You know you could buy a stand <laughs> that you just like mount the TV on and this has wheels and you could just move it around places and plug it into the wall and like you kind of avoid a lot of these uh, issues. Um, so, Okay. Displace TV. Check out our video. It's such yeah. and it's such a CES thing, though. That's that's like about it. That it's just scream CES, giant TV, crazy use cases. Let's just make it and see. I see people, you know, in the chat are pointing out, like, yeah, mounting TVs is hard. That is true. Mounting TVs is hard. There are other ways around it. There are other ways around mounting too. Like honestly, if you don't want to mount stuff into your walls, or if you're in an apartment or something. Um, look at those TV stands, like look at a rolling TV stand, because that actually, that, that would let you like roll a TV into your bedroom from your living room or something like that. And that is a lot easier to deal with than mounting stuff to your wall. I've never mounted any TVs that I've had. So I've I've just lived with console tables. Um, oh, right. Yeah. (laughs) I thought you said, I got, I got the help to do it for me. No, 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 no. No, no. I mean, I've seen the ideas, but I also, uh, at least for the past 10 years, was living in New York apartments where we couldn't do that. Even now, I'm like, well, I have a house. I could just mount this family room TV so it's like less trouble for the kids. And it's like, I don't. It's too much trouble. I'm very lazy, guys. I feel like laziness is the ultimate deciding factor for a lot of these <laughs> things. Um, in terms of more TV stuff, uh, Samsung has a whole new lineup as well. I think what's most interesting is that they are betting a little more on micro LEDs. Um, this is similar to, that was the technology they introduced in the wall in 2018. And basically it's LEDs, but kind of shrunk down to the side of like OLED pixels. They're also self-emissive, so they don't need backlights. And uh, that technology is also scalable too. So the wall was this thing where you could buy a whole bunch of panels, not you specifically, because that thing costs a shit ton of money. So just like, it, <laughs> it, was, it was a little crazy. Uh, it could, I think at, at a minimum, it was 150 inches. Um, but basically, you could kind of combine different ones to be different um, different sizes, like no matter what you wanted. So for some companies, maybe maybe companies with a lot of money, like that was a really convenient thing. Now they're going to be a whole bunch of micro LED sets uh, ranging from 50 let me see here, 50 to 140 inch micro LED models. We don't have pricing yet. Um, no company gives us pricing during CS. It's a weird thing. Out, I think. Mostly out of spite, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just to make life really annoying for us. But uh, pricing actually tends to come in the spring, maybe after they know how much the supplies would cost. And like, there are like a lot of factors kind of going into it. So I would expect these to be a, a great deal more than a typical OLED or even LCD panel from, uh, from Samsung. Are you intrigued though, Matt? Like, have you seen the wall? Have you seen any of the micro LED stuff? I've seen, I've seen the wall. I, it gets to this point where the technology, like a lot of the benefits here seem so similar to OLED that I feel like I need a physics degree to pick between them. Um, <laughs> the wall was super impressive, but I think half of the impressiveness was the fact it was just huge and the idea that it was almost like 
Lego style. Mm-hmm. You can make as big a screen as you want by joining them all together. It was, it was, it saying, was a great concept, yeah. Yeah, like they're saying that these, these are the new micro LED line, like it'll hit like 240 variable refresh rates, two nanosecond response times. Great like, for gamers. It yeah. sounds super impressive. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they're still, they are making OLEDs as well, aren't they, Samsung? They are making OLEDs. Like it actually took them a while. I think it wasn't until last year when Samsung started making OLEDs and also. They were the ones who introduced the new QD OLED technology with quantum dots, and that actually like that's some decent competition with uh, with um, that's some decent competition with LG. And LG for the longest time has been making OLED panels with a you know that everybody has been using. Um, there are so many choices. I don't think a typical consumer, if you're listening to the show, you're not going to be buying um, a micro LED TV. So don't don't worry about it. You may be buying a mini LED TV, which is the other. <laughs> The other version of that technology, which so those are LED sets with like thousands, hundreds to thousands of backlights. So just like it's brighter than a typical LED, and backlighting is kind of the thing that kind of has differentiated uh, OLEDs and LCDs. Since OLEDs don't need backlights, and since the pixels light themselves up, they can get to pure black. And mini LEDs kind of get almost there. So I actually have a mini LED TV. I have the TCL Series 8 from a couple of years ago in my family room, and that thing looks great. Like, I, I think I occasionally run into issues where I'm like, yeah, this is not as uniform as an OLED would be, or the blacks aren't as pure, but I'm mostly watching, like, kids shows and, you know, kids movies on that, so it's, like, less of a concern for me. Um, I think for general consumers, mini LED is kind of the thing. We're also seeing that in a lot of monitors and stuff now, and it's coming to laptops, so... You know, that's the thing to look out for. Um, the Samsung QN900C is their 8K quantum mini LED panel. That thing can reach up to 4,000 nits of brightness, which is, it's like staring at the surface of the sun. That is just yeah, really right. bright. Oh, my God. <laughs> Seems like a, 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 f- a phone camera fa- flash level of yeah, brightness. Yeah, just like, uh, just stare at this. Have you done a TV upgrade yet, Matt? I am on a LC, uh, uh, LG OLED I want to say C-series, perhaps? Um, the one that does variable refresh rates, so that might be a bit fancier than that. Even. Yeah. That was like, but it's great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, absolutely fantastic. I wall-mounted it, just to add to the argument, but I was too afraid to do it myself as a 37-year-old and got my dad to help. Oh, you need two people. Um, you need two people for it. Yeah, it's kind of terrifying. To, when I, I've had to take it off to kind of either mount my soundbar or like do with other stuff, get rid of my Chromecast or whatever it is. And every time I have to lift it off that bracket, I am uh, terrified. And that's a, is that a 55-inch or 65-inch? I think it's 65. So, mm-hmm. yeah, terrifying. Mm-hmm. That is my wingspan at that point. It's scary. You know? I mean, I have the giant uh, Samsung 55-inch uh, Odyssey G9 monitor here. Oh, yeah. Which I yeah. reviewed. And this thing basically altogether weighs close to 100 pounds. Like, you need two people to, like, get the massive screen it's, onto it's the 50 It's not the weight itself. Like, it's, uh, it's, it's not the weight itself, is it? It's just how unwieldy it is. It's... Your, your fingertips are at their limits to carry these things. And so you have no strength to lift it or place it with any kind of accuracy. It's hey, traumatic. folks, if you're buying TVs, uh, it's usually worth paying a little more to get the installation help. Like, that's just, I'm just putting that out there. Uh, get the installation help because they will also do that and, like, take away the boxes and stuff. And that's been super, super helpful. I think we've been so enamored with the ideas. I could mount this to my wall. Look, look at what I can do with this. You don't have to mount to your wall. You don't have to mount a TV above your fireplace. For the love of God, stop doing that. Every time I see a TV there that is like 10 feet off the ground and you're sitting on the couch and you're just like, your neck is craned all the way up. That's not not a way to watch anything. Come on, folks. Um, Has anything else uh, caught your eye 
at CES when it comes to TV stuff, Matt? TVs. Uh, one thing I did want to know, actually, like I was saying, I, I own a uh, relatively recent uh, LG OLED. And something that LG has kind of announced is uh, that their TVs will better sync with L- LG's new branded soundbars. I guess that's technically theater, home theater. But I'm hoping that they will have backward comb- compatibility with my TV mostly. No, I don't care about anyone else's. Uh, <laughs> but this is the kind of thing we, we won't get the nitty gritty until the spring when we hear pricing and available. Because you're looking, you want to have like a seamless uh, audio setup with your TV. Is yeah, I idea? like the notion. So the idea is apparently these new, you know, these new top end LG soundbars. They'll they have a new feature which is mimicking what Samsung has announced that uses the built in TV speakers in addition to the soundbar and kind of synchronizes yeah. and uses them together for a richer I don't, sound. I, I don't know about that. I don't know about like I, I've seen that is a good idea like hey i have these other speakers i can use them the thing about sound is that you want things to be kind of uniform you know so if you have like little tinny speakers uh, trying to work alongside a soundbar that has like big beefy drivers I, d- I don't know if you're actually getting anything um it is cool to see these companies kind of like playing with this idea most people they'll just get like get, get one of the sonos's or something um and every tv maker is kind of doing a soundbar that matches their tv so that's like an idea as well that's kind of like what you're referring to here um a couple of companies they're talking about soundbars that just like clip onto the bottom of newer tvs or will like will mount effectively and that is that is kind of a smart thing because for people especially who've already mounted their tvs onto the wall being able to like just throw something else on there without worrying about anything else like without worrying about screwing back anything else in i think is kind of that's pretty cool samsung also showed off a couple other things um their freestyle projector which was their Really cool, cute-looking portable projector from last year. There is going to be a new version, and uh, you'll be able to take two units and combine them into a super huge image, which is kind of intriguing. It's not its not going to be like a single 16 by 9 image. It could be either 21 by 9 or it could be like the super tall... Um, what's the super tall equivalent? Uh, 16 by 15. So if you have like a thing on top of each other. So you could use these things to like watch two separate things at once. That's kind of cool. Um, and there are some games that run actually in 21 by 9. I don't know how they'll sync up with a portable tr- projector like this, but it's a cool concept. Um, we didn't get to review the freestyle, I believe, but from the reviews I saw last year, it seemed a little, it seemed like it didn't quite live up to the expectations people had for it. Samsung is doing some cool stuff. They are doing like auto leveling and auto keystone correction. And if you ever mess with uh, projectors, that's like the most annoying thing. That is like the annoying thing is trying to make sure your corners are square and everything like looks in proportion. So if they're getting better at that, if this is a better projector, um, this could be kind of cool. You know, are you intrigued by this, Matt? I am. Like I, I did kind of reach out to Samsung this side about it because I was intrigued in getting one because it seems like a good entry level device for projectors. Um, and what I did like is, I, if I recall, the original could be installed into a light fitting. So you could have it effortlessly hanging and powered from a light fitting. And uh, yeah, just wirelessly do everything to that. And That's a cool that, idea. That, mm-hmm. You know, again, it's a smart idea, but like you're saying, a lot of these, it's like... And yeah, it's it's telling that there weren't that many reviews and that Samsung it, it seemed didn't like a little get hard back to, get. to me with a rush. Yeah, The exactly. original one uh, was $900 too, which is more expensive than I assume for a portable projector. Um I think if you're buying a 1080p projector, typically you'll find one between like probably like 700 to 800 bucks. So it's actually in that range. Um, it just didn't seem like the software was there. This year, they're also adding the gaming hub, Samsung's gaming hub, which adds Xbox Cloud Gaming built in, Amazon Luna, 
NVIDIA GeForce Now. So that's like another thing you could do with this. I could see some people wanting this like in their bedroom or just like ha wanting a thing that you could like bring to your backyard or something or project on your your apartment wall. I'm not sure easily. the two freestyles is that compelling uh, an upgrade from the last one, but um, yeah. At least, they're, at least they're doing something different. Another thing I want to shout out real quick is Roku is uh, building their own TVs finally. And that is pretty interesting because um, there have been Roku TVs for a while, since 2014, but they've all been built by partners. So partners like Hisense and TCL. This year, for the first time, Roku's like, okay, we're just going to do it ourselves. And they're going to build their own um, pricing between $119 and $999. Um, and sets ranging from 24 to 75 inches. So decent pricing, decent budget um, you know, territory for this stuff. Roku's not talking about many of the specs like some will be hd some will be 4k they're not talking about like deeper specs beyond that but uh it it is interesting to see them just like take control of their own destiny a bit um they said from my conversations with roku they're not trying to directly compete with their partners this is like a microsoft thing like when microsoft started making laptops um, but they did want to be able to like include all the stuff they wanted to in a budget tv that some partners aren't doing so all of these will have voice remotes um and tcl and others like have not been including those on the cheaper roku tv so that's kind of like the deal there any thoughts on this matt like are you intrigued does it just make sense strategically for roku yeah i mean yeah it was odd that they were calling these things roku tvs when they weren't roku tvs before so yeah. it just it was the roku <laughs> tv that... platform basically yeah. yeah yeah so um yeah I, i'm not really i haven't got much to say it just is the thing they should have done right from the outset i think i mean that that would have been hard right they weren't um roku is a hardware company was was kind of just making little streaming boxes right they weren't making tvs but i think the innovation of the roku tv program was just like hey tcl you're really good at making tvs here take our software and just like make a good thing and gen generally i think they've turned out pretty well that tcl series 8 i have is roku tv um the software is pretty like pretty decent certainly better and more stable, I'd say, than a typical TV OS. So I do appreciate that. Um, but yeah, this is just a nice step forward for Roku. Another thing around Roku is they announced an OLED Roku TV design for their partners. So partners will finally be able to make an OLED Roku TV. Maybe we'll see it this year. There's really no other details. Like they make this thing and then partners look at it and they're like, okay, we can build one of those. And then maybe four or five months later, like they announce that they'll actually do something. So maybe this holiday season, we'll actually see some OLED Roku TVs I want more OLEDs everywhere, so this is a great idea. Sure, bring bring more OLEDs on the things. Let's move on to some mobile news at CES. And you know what? It's never that much of a mobile show because Mobile World Congress is typically happening when February or March, like not yeah. that long after. Um, are you are you planning to do Mobile World Congress this year, Matt? Uh, we're hearing murmurs of bits and pieces, so it might be like a, a, skele a skeletal crew. Okay. Um, there's going to be a few devices. Perhaps, uh, yeah, CES perhaps the best gadget show. It's Mobile World Congress because it's in Barcelona. and That does help. Yeah, it does help sure. quite a bit. Like the, the show where uh, it's great to be in a place you don't actively hate, like going to Vegas for <laughs> CES. So that's a big, that's a big step up. Um, but yeah, so that's going to be happening. But Samsung did reveal the Galaxy A14 5G, which is 200 bucks. $200, and it has a better selfie camera than, um, I guess, the previous model, than last year's A13 5G. It looks really simple, but it has three cameras on the back. It looks like, it actually looks a bit iPhone-y, to be honest. Like, I have not yeah, seen these does, A13s. Yeah. I haven't seen these A-phones for a while from Samsung, but 
has a decent looking screen. It does have a chunky bezel around it. It does look like a phone where, yeah, you're you're paying two hundred bucks. You actually get some decent tech in here. I don't know. Have you played with the cheaper Samsung phones, Matt? Yeah, like so. I've doubled with the. It's a very weird way to word it, but their mid range is A series. So I've often played with their high end mid range. So the A fifty three, I think we're on now fifty four, maybe. Um, yeah, so that they're pretty decent. You can tell they're not quite as polished as the premium S series, um, but they they got that reliable Samsung bent to them so they, yeah, they just quality. work it has a 90 you know, hertz screen the yeah. iphone 13 and 14 do not have 90 hertz like yeah they don't have screens beyond 60 hertz so that's something i mean the fact that it comes with like a 5000 milliamp battery as well which is great for something that's probably not gonna take that much energy to run um and it's got a, it's got a mediatek chip, and it has so a 50 again, megapixel rear camera too as well as uh two macro two two megapixel a lot of these macro like the very camera. entry level a ones often do have like a, a you know a, a huge megapixel camera somewhere in that array of three um but yeah like this is this you know this is samsung's way of tricking someone into buying a cheap samsung phone and they're assuming they're getting an s phone but i don't know not. i don't know how things are in the uk matt but in the us like these phones end up just being you get you get it for free right you don't pay anything and you yeah. end up it's either bundled into your plan or something like over time. So you don't even really, you may not even feel the hit of this phone. But anyway, the A14 5G looks pretty cool. And also in Samsung news, they unveiled this really cool um, prototype prototype flex hybrid OLED mobile display. It can both slide out and it can fold yep. over. It goes from a 10.5 inch 4 4 to, uh, 4 to 3 screen to a wide 12.4 inch 16 by 10 screen. So that And then is... it folds into a clamp. So then yeah, there's folds. like three functions. So it can fold up to like a 4.2 inch compact, but no screen on the outside and then unfurl into the weird 4 by 3 ratio and then the kind of widescreen mm-hmm. 16 by 10. You know what? We're yeah, still waiting that's... for the uh, was it the Surface Neo from Microsoft which was supposed to be oh, their yeah. like dual screen thing and like well, Samsung is out here We've got folding screens. We've got, you know, uh, why we've got sliding screens, and Microsoft can't get a freak a freaking two screen device out there. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm still I can't quite see from this co- these concept images where it goes mm-hmm. when it slides because normally it where kind does of rolls it go in? Where yeah. does it go? Like, where does screen I mean? go? I don't know. Like, where 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 screen go? <laughs> Tell me where screen go. Um, let me see here. The extra two inches of screen rolls from under the right hand side of the device when slid out judging by the extra thickness of that side of the display. So, yeah, it does look a little chunkier. Yeah. yeah it looks doesn't like even look space. like it would roll into that, does it? It looks... Yeah. But it has to go somewhere. Um, so, we did note that Xiaomi showed off a similar it's actually, concept a while ago, yeah? It was a TCL. It was TCL? Yeah. Let me see here. Oh, yeah, yeah. TCL. I'm gonna, okay. I'm going to okay. correct that post. We're gonna, yeah, we're going to correct that. <laughs> um, but TCL, I do remember this. I do remember Chris Velasco yeah. going and looking at the folding, sliding thing from TCL. I feel like every every one of these things you add to screen makes me also be like, this is how I feel about the suctioning TV. I'm like, that's just multiple levels of anxiety. That is like an inception pool of going deep into, will the sliding function break? Will the folding function mm. break? I don't, I don't know. It's a cool concept, though. It was very cool. And, but the thing is also, Samsung can make it a reality. Like, you're going to see a Galaxy Z slide of some kind. You know, it's... Yeah. I do feel like... It, that that to me also adds so much more friction to using a phone, right? Like the thing about smartphones that are right now, you, you hit a button and you either fingerprint sign or eye, eye scan and there, boom, all screen. A folding phone, you kind of have to fumble like the old cell phones and kind of open a bit. And then you have to wait for the for the screen to slide out to you. 
I don't know. I don't know how that whole process is going to work. Um, but it's a, it's certainly a cool concept. Like I would love to see. I mean, it could a be a tablet. Device. Yeah, yeah. It probably is a tablet, not mm-hmm. a phone. That's oh, so this thing. is definitely a tablet. Like just looking from the size of it. But again, I don't just I just let it fold. Let it fold. That's all it needs to do. It doesn't need to slide. Just let it fold. Like give me that ten and a half inch screen or so. Fold that into something smaller. I don't need to go all the way to twelve point four. I think. Yeah. Cool concept. One thing we also want to mention, which is sort of mobile, because uh, mobile is in the name, Sony-Honda Mobility. The joint venture between Sony and Honda to make EVs. They showed off their first EV concept at CES, and um, it's called Afila. Afila, Matt. How do you feel about that? There's there's some meaning that I'm not getting from it, surely, right? Mm. Is it I like don't, a, a god, like a Greek goddess or something? I, I have no clue. I don't know what they're going for. But it does sound like sometimes when two Japanese companies get together and they're already very bad at branding, um, they, they come up with a, a mutant that is the worst, one of the worst things. I don't I'm – just, I'm just thinking of jokes when I hear Afila. So, okay. Um, I actually, so this is the Vision – uh s02 concept from sony basically um i sat in the sony concept a couple of years ago when we last went to ces and uh it was wild it was wild to see sony actually produce a car but mainly it existed because of the the entertainment stuff did you get to see that matt yeah yeah, yeah so i think um i was sat at the sony press conference mm-hmm. when they suddenly just like and the cars and here. the car yeah i was like oh my god here it is yeah so if i mean you sat in it. It feels like a car. It, it was feels very like a car. Back then, and also, without Honda yeah. at that point, I'm I'm also somebody who's like kind of dabbling more into cars because I'm living the suburban life and I've been researching things. Um, will I'll eventually be moving to an EV, and it does feel like Sony has a very good idea of what to do for an entertainment side of things. I don't know about building a car, so that's why they teamed up with Honda to do this. But also, I don't trust Honda that much anymore too when it comes to electric concepts. Um, both Honda and Toyota have been very slow when, it co- when it's come to EVs, and they've been blown away by Tesla and by Rivian and by a lot of other companies. So, okay, well, we'll, we'll see how this goes. It looks really nice, and I'm sure the interior is going to be super, super interesting. Like, to me, the EV I'm really looking at right now is that new, uh, the Volvo XE90 that we talked about several months ago, and I, I have a Volvo now. I love the Volvo idea. I love their, like, safety record and everything, so... That's kind of where I am. But yeah, this is the Sony Honda Mobility EF. Afila. Afila. Do you feel it? I've just been trying to research what that means. Uh-huh. And it said it's an Islamic name for a girl. Mm. And its meaning is TBC. TBC. So <laughs> it means not even the internet knows. We don't, we don't know. Um, okay. There was some accessibility news at CS as well. And it is nice to see like the show being more of a highlight for that. So L'Oreal did, uh, they showed off a motorized lipstick applicator for people with limited mobility. And this looks really cool. It's kind of like a wand that you can hold um, to, to apply lipstick. And they also have a makeup applicator, which seems like something straight out of like the Jetsons. You know, like um, it is the L'Oreal Brow Magic uh, that can give you a personalized eyebrow look based on your facial features and natural b- brow. I don't know how that works. I don't know how a lot of eyebrow things works. Like eyebrow threading is a very <laughs> weird concept. Uh, my wife also does that quite a bit too. I'm like, okay, I, I, I see why we're doing it. Uh, the how of it is very confusing to me, but that's because I'm, I'm just a dude 
who gets haircuts rarely. Um, Sony also showed off their Project Leonardo controller kit, their accessibility controller, which is going to be like their version of what Microsoft did with their accessibility controller. Thoughts on this, Matt? Because I know you're you're a big Sony guy. You love the Sony. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love the Sony. So, I mean, even without the accessibility, this just looks like really cool controllers because it looks completely different. It looks like some kind of VR controller more than anything. Um, it looks like a David Cronenberg project, actually. Yeah, like he went yeah, full sci-fi. Yeah. I just rewatched. I just watched Crimes of the Future for the first time, and it uses this <laughs> weird, like, organic thing you hit, and it controls surgical equipment. I'm getting sort of that feel here, but it looks cool. It has like the same style as the Dual Sense, um, right? You know, it's a bit just a shame it's taken Sony this long to kind of match. Microsoft's really kind of forged a path with his adaptive controller. So it's like, come on, Sony, catch up, like. Cats up, Sony. Um, yeah, Microsoft, we give them a lot of credit for that, too. We've covered that quite a bit. Uh, Shrillin's talked about it. Jess Condit, who wrote this up, also visited Microsoft to talk about their thing. Hopefully, we're going to get a, a better look at this soon. Let's go on to some of the weird stuff from CS. And I feel like this is the real reason we go to CS, right? Like, a lot of this news we expect to see. We, we know all the chips are coming. We know um, some new TV stuff are coming. But tell me about toilets. What will CES yes, do to- toilets. for my toilet? Yeah, everything it everything seems. everything um yes. one of the first things we review we wrote up this year um is vivo's um oversized toilet clip-on which is something that kind of sticks at the front of your toilet and it is in the location of your pee stream so that it can test your urine and send results to the phone um useful for residential care elderly and healthcare service providers this thing looks like a nightmare it looks like it was not <laughs> made for anybody who actually has to sit on the toilet. You know, like I don't just the logistics. I don't, I don't know why it has to go there. Why does it have to go there? Sure. Yeah, yeah, clip somewhere else, or at least like, get the thing all the washlets, the all the kind of companion washlets go on the side. Mm-hmm. Why can't this thing go on a side and just have an arm around? Yeah, the they they put stream. their full sensor like right up front. Uh, so I guess you're you're putting your legs over it. Maybe it's like a, a theater chair, you know, where you're reclining a bit, so you have to recline. <laughs> You have to recline to use the toilet. Um, oh my god! Yeah, it, it. I mean, it looks hardy at least, and if it's it's meant for like red, residential care and hospitals and stuff, it means it can survive, survive a beating or you know repeated use. That's that's the argument <laughs> I'm going for, and I won't hear a word against it. I feel like the more interesting one is with things. Um, Five hundred dollar toilet computer. So it's $500, but it's a little, it looks like one of those toilet cleaner pucks and it sits at the front of your toilet and uh, it uses, it can analyze your pee also with uh, with a bit of a phone app too. That's cool. Come on, mate. That's, that's a Chromecast just putting a That's a Chromecast, bowl, yeah. I want to, I mean, I do want to stream from my toilet, so yes. Different meaning for stream right mm, there. Good stream. Good stream. Yeah. Um, A lot of like different, it uses, uh, let me see here. So Dan Cooper wrote this up. The microfluidic system, he says, is like the litmus test-esque strips you see in the doctor. So it's doing a lot to basically test your health, a lot of different things. Um, We've seen a couple different things like this. Uh, There was also a super expensive uh, toilet seat which I don't have the link to right now. but Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that rings a bell. That, yeah. that, that didn't seem as wild to me because I'm somebody who I did spend a couple hundred dollars on a little Toto uh, toilet seat for my, for my you know, one of my toilets. So I see the benefit of that. Going to Computex once really sold me on the idea of, uh, you know, using a little toilet bidet. 
Uh, these seem interesting, but certainly seem more on the health side of things. Um, Ben, you asked a good question in our notes. He's wondering if like, um, this could be a path towards like THC breathalyzer type things that people are looking for. Maybe something you could just put on, you know, put in somebody's home if you're worried about their drug use or if law enforcement wants to track that. I don't know. That's, that just seems a little odd. Moving away from toilets is hollow rides. Uh, VR technology and Holoride is the company we have covered quite a bit weirdly like their whole thing is that um they want to put VR while you're in the back seat and like the VR will kind of work in tandem like as the car is moving around we first demoed it in 2019 Roberto Baldwin did that with us and this year at CES they announced a retrofit kit that um will be 199 or as part of a seven or as part of a seven hundred and ninety nine dollar package with a VR headset, um, and the idea is that you can sit in your back seat and you can go through some VR experiences. That's okay. I feel like a lot of people get sick when they just try to read while a car is moving. You know, like doing VR where your sense of like movement and gravity is already like out of your control in a car. Seems like a recipe for disaster. I don't, would you want to do this, Matt? I think like I think we've seen it a few times because I think often car companies are like, oh, VR, cool. That's mm-hmm. the next best mm-hmm. thing. That's a great way of kind of orienting this new vehicle as a cutting edge car. And it's more of like a sales pitch than it is a real thing. Like I am sure there are people with more money in the sense that would be more than happy to retrofit the back of their car with this kind of stuff. But yeah, I think <laughs> travel... Nausea is a very real thing. That's totally real thing. Definitely going to even in. like the Oculus, um, the MetaQuest Two, using yeah. that in the backseat of a car seems like I don't, I don't know if I'd ever want to do that. No, I did used to see people in New York on the subway with the Quest, like at, during yeah. a trip. I'm like, okay, that's they're moving and they have enough sense of like not hitting people around them, but uh, not something I know if I'd want to try. And people were talking about this, like, hey, it could be good for the kids. All a kid wants is an iPad. Or something like an iPad in front of them showing their shows. Um, they would rather have Peppa Pig than one of these things, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Peppa Pig is cheaper. Peppa Pig is cheaper and uh, I don't know, maybe better for your brain. One thing that I found to be really cool we wrote up Bird Buddy's Smart Feeder, um, which has a camera to give you stills and videos of hummingbirds as they come up to, to get food. That's pretty cool. <laughs> It's so niche. It's so, it's so niche. If you don't live in a city, and honestly, if you do live in a city, when I was in Brooklyn, like there were hummingbirds like all over the place. Cause really? I was, I was near a park. So maybe that was why. Oh. And I was near Prospect Park, which is a pretty huge park. I don't think I've ever seen a hummingbird in, in real my life. life. Yeah. You, you guys are missing out. Missing out. Missing out. Because um, <laughs> basically we have a huge hummingbird feeder outside of my kitchen window here. Uh, and I'm in like Georgia suburb, like maybe 20 miles outside of Atlanta. So not that far from the city. But we have a ton of hummingbirds. Like they're always coming and going. And like to have a way of just like seeing who's coming, like they tend to be repeat visitors. Sometimes when I'm riding uh, on my deck in the, in the backyard, hummingbirds will just like hover in front of me saying, Hey, what's up? And move on. Like they do. They, it's weird. They, they know what's up. They know how to thank the people who are feeding them. So I don't know. I like this idea. <laughs> it's cool. I think uh, kids will like it. And also people who live in not, maybe not in the middle of a city, but if you live somewhere where you want to see what the birds are doing, that sounds pretty cool to me. That's Bird Buddy's smart feeder. Um, GE unveiled a $1,000 stand mixer with a scale and voice controls built in. Okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure. I mean, what? Wow, it's so <laughs> much money. 
That's so much money. It's so much. Money. It's also a stand mixer, so it's also huge. You know, like <laughs> I, I have one here, and we never get to actually use it in the kitchen because it's just like I don't, I don't want to lift that upstairs and set it up and make it all. I'm starting to notice a trend that you're just not willing to move things I'm around. Very lazy, <laughs> and my back hurts all the time. So that is that is me. I mean, that is that's just your thirties, right? That's just like I don't want to do any unnecessary movement, please. Any Especially with, with two kids, like I, all my energy right now is just like picking up the kids and you're fighting with them all day um something else uh, something i threw in here because the name of the company just seems like a big mistake to me uh shift all announced a high-end steam vr headset and affordable body trackers for vtubers daniel cooper wrote this up the company's name is shift all mm-hmm. you look at it and i'm just like do you call yourself Shiftall? all i all i see is Shiftall. i'm sorry to this company but R.I.P. Your name, not great branding. I mean, uh, my favorite bit of the, this, uh, the, like the technology that Shift all is showing off, is the thing, in, like in the picture. Uh, check out the whole story on Engadget.com. But this thing that goes over your mouth called Moo Talk. Now, Moo <laughs> means like no, like nothing. It's like um, the negative. So the no talk. So the idea is you have this Bluetooth microphone that would just kind of block out your noise leaking, so you could do those calls in a public space and people not hear it. Which I love in a kind of very lame way. Of, it's a VR muzzle, so that's yeah, it's a VR, which is which is obviously from the outset sexy, but yeah, like all of these things are so bizarre, and they've got this poor guy demoing them all this at is, once. This so is this is the new version VR. of Voldo from Soul Calibur, basically. Yeah, pretty much a VR Voldo, VR Voldo, VR Voldo, yeah, VR Voldo. Voldo. Yeah. Now that's that's a good cultural reference. Mm. I'm very glad we made that. If you that. know, you know. Um, if you know, you know. If you know, you know. I know you were excited about Hasbro's 3D printed figurines, and this looks pretty cool. Yeah. Where like they were doing this, this as a totally, show. Yeah. yeah, this is totally a thing I would have done if I was at CES this year. I'm not sure what I'd get my face printed. Mm-hmm. I think we settled on maybe Robocop, but with my lame haircut. I just think that would be quite funny. Um, but yeah, they, they've teased this for a while. Um, we've, we've got our old story on the site because we haven't covered it yet from the CES floor. But apparently they are scanning people's heads and offering up figurines during the show. So they must have got the speed of the process down. Uh, yeah, the idea is that they're using like form lab technology to kind of scan your head, get the coloring, you know, the tone right and your eyes right. And then boom, you're the Red Ranger from Power Rangers. That's cool. As, I, as I've always wanted, or a Ghostbuster, or what is this, G.I. Joe? Snake Eyes G.I. Joe, Joe, I think. Yeah, yeah. anything that Hasbro, I think X-Wing Pilot, you can do as well, get some Star Wars stuff in there. Um, I think what would be really cool is like you could like you could get a figurine made of you for your kids' favorite series. I that's think pretty that's cool. Really, that'd be really cute. And that's cool, pretty yeah. cool. Although I I don't know, it's not really Hasbro stuff anymore. I don't, I'm trying to think like what Hasbro's Transformers Hasbro. Yeah, but no, it seems like Hasbro's at least got the licensing to do this for all those all those Hasbro properties. That's cool. Previously, that's super cool. Yeah, it's glad. Yeah, we need to get this demo in real. Like actually going. Um, let's, let's, which which Engadget editor would you like to see as a Hasbro figurine? We need to make Sherlin um, a Power Ranger as she wants to be. Like I feel like, or Sherlin as He Man is He Man Hasbro? <laughs> Surely he's Hasbro. Right? Yeah, uh, I feel like all the big ones. Sh- uh, Sherlin as Megatron. Yes, because <laughs> that's that's truly her final form. Oh <laughs> uh, no no! What's the one with the like the cassette tape bird that comes out of his chest? Sound sound wave. Sound wave. Sound, yeah. uh, sound crash. Yeah, that is that, that would be totally surely another weird story that we don't have quite written up yet but um there was a series of events that happened yesterday where i saw hey paula abdul is at ces yeah. 
uh, showing off smart glasses. So I immediately texted Trilla. I was like, you got to go see this. And she actually <laughs> made her way there and she did a demo. She sent a photo of Sherlin uh, with Paul Abdul and uh, Paul Abdul shorter than Sherlin. Like significantly, so that was she is surprising. a she is a she tiny, tiny pop she legend. Tiny. She tiny pop legend. Um, yeah. so yeah, we're we're gonna have that story at some point. I believe Sherlyn's even trying to get her on the podcast for a segment at some point. So we're we're calling her shots. We're gonna try to get Paula Abdul, but I I grew up with Paula Abdul. That's kind of cool. And she's doing smart glasses. So we're gonna we're gonna have some stuff written around that soon. Um, other other news. I want to let's talk about mm-hmm. the uh, the the avocado the avocado ripe avocado scanner? fruit scanner. Uh-huh. I, I swear this actually popped up. I think like the company launching it, it bubbled up middle of the year last year. So here it is actually doing it. So the idea is like, you know, the fa- almost definitely only the fanciest grocery stores would have a, a, a scanner that will tell you if your avocados are ripe. But then wouldn't you want it in your house? You'd kind oh, of, I'm so confused. I feel like you'd want it in the grocery store, like let, right along the scale or something like, or maybe actually as part of the scale. Mm. Um, avocados are the hardest thing though, because like you, you kind of have to get up and feel them like so many fruits. Right? Yeah. So you kind of know you want it to be a little squishy, but not too squishy. You want it to not look like totally dead brown. You want there to be some green in there. That's kind of cool. It's a cool idea. Um, I hope it's in scale, maybe to restaurants and to other places too. Uh, but certainly, like I see this as being something that should just be there at a, alongside the scale in a grocery store because that would really help. It's very much a first world problem, and that's what CS is all about. Absolutely. I mean, I don't. My my thing is in the summer is we have really good watermelons down here, and it is mm. really hard to tell. Is this a good one? Is this like a nice juicy red watermelon, or is this like overripe? Like, there's a lot of stuff that's hard to tell, and you just kind of have to rely on sound and weight and stuff. Um, want to quickly shout out: we have somehow covered Y brush several so times. Somehow. Several times. This is a, this is a toothbrush that basically looks like mouth goggles, and you put your teeth over them, and uh, they brush your teeth. <clears throat> they brush your teeth. Yeah. Um, they're coming to the U.S. That's the news. Ten second toothbrushing for eighty dollars with the Y brush. Truly, truly what we go to CES for. The the weird thing mm-hmm. is that none of us have actually tried it. I think That's surprising. we don't want to have... Because I think none of us really want to be on video or anything having our teeth brushed. I would totally do it. I'd totally do it. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't want, I don't want the fetishists out there to really get That's what I'm that saying. Yeah. That, you know. You gotta, you gotta be careful. Yeah. Um, I think in ultimate, ultimate weird news, uh, Fufuli... Fufuli's pulsating cushion, it is something that is supposed to help with your um, anxiety. And actually, we've talked about this company before because they, uh, they're the company behind the cattail cat pillow. pillow. Yeah, the, the yeah. headless cat, basically, the little pillow that has a tail and like kind of waves. Um, this is cool. Sure. All these things. I mean, it's not CES mm-hmm. unless you have an embarrassing photo of one editor just... Lowering himself for the hugging, second journalism. Hugging this year, yeah. it's Richard Lai. This year, it's Richard Lai. Hello, R-Lai. Um, go check out his video, Fufuli. I mean, listen, we, we are creatures that just need comfort sometimes. So it's the simplest things that we need. Uh, I see people constantly being like, hey, I just tried a weighted blanket for the first time, and my life has changed. So there's so many <laughs> yeah. things that can give us comfort. Um, that's kind of that's kind of cool. So I hope Fufuli keeps doing their thing. And uh, let us know, folks. Like, what what is your ideal gadget to help you soothe your anxiety is it a headless cat is it a dog that never has to be taken out for a walk you know is it a tv that sucks itself to Ooh. the wall uh, oh. uh. there's so many things is it uh, just pee analyzing whenever you need 
Pianalyzing on demand. That is really what CS is all about. <sighs> um, there's been a bunch of other news outside of CS, but one thing I want to call out just real quick is um, what the hell are you doing, James Cameron? In an interview, James Cameron said that Avatar 3 will likely introduce a third clan of uh, Na'vi that, that are fire people. And I think the uh, the people behind Avatar The Last Airbender are just extremely pissed at this point. I am pissed for them. Because I do remember when the first Avatar came out, they were like, oh, that's that's funny. We, we kind of wish he didn't do that. Um, and now we've had Avatar The Way of Water after book after you know what several books of avatar the airbender series and the Korra series um have dealt with water too now we have the fire people what's left what's next earth people we already had the air people actually in the first movie of avatar so earth earth people i think james cameron knows what he's doing and i am not a fan but i do think avatar 2 is pretty good so yeah go check it out have you seen it yet matt so in related news i tried to watch the first avatar and got bored halfway (laughs) Did you try to watch it at home? Yeah. yeah. On a big proper TV, yeah, no, not on no, a phone. No, no, no. no. There, there, there's experience. no at-home viewing of the first Avatar. The only reason you watch it is, is, is at the theater. And like to its credit, like given how long ago it was made, it it holds up to most sure. extent. Like it's not... it's not The, C- the CG actually, the, I think, went downhill since some of those earlier movies because yeah. the Marvel stuff have to be pumped out. Yeah, I'm out. thinking of Black Panther. Yeah, yeah. They have to be <laughs> pumped out real quick. The VFX studios are actually, like, hurting. So that's why if you go back and look at the CG and even, like, Lord of the Rings, you know, like, some of the stuff yeah. we had in the 2000s um, looks good because they had more time to kind of develop them. So it took them longer to render, but the actual artistry of it um, looks a lot better than some of the stuff we have today. It's really and, weird. And I know everyone's, well, like, okay, so in Europe, without spoiling mm-hmm. too much, do I really need to yes, see the whole of yes, Avatar yes. 1? Yes. Oh, oh fine. well, no, to see the new one? You, you probably don't need <laughs> yeah. that. You probably don't need that. But if you get a chance to go to the theater to see the revival of Avatar 1, it is worth ah. seeing it in the theater. Like, that's the thing. Yeah. I don't think... I don't think anybody should watch Avatar 1 at home because then you can see the the worst of that storytelling. Uh, but you know what? If uh, if you have the revival going and that is something that was in theaters in December, it'll probably be back. Totally worth it. And Avatar 2, totally worth it. I'm just saying, James Cameron, what the hell are you doing? We see what you're doing. We see you love Avatar The Last Airbender. Is that, is so that, that's an Avatar joke right there, right? Mm-hmm. I see you. I see you. Let's move on to chat with somebody who's on the ground at CES, and that's Carissa Bell, Senior Editor at Engadget. Hey, Carissa, what's up? Hello, hello. From cold Las Vegas. From cold Las Vegas. <laughs> oh, that is, it is, I guess it is usually a little chilly, but compared to New York, it was always a little warmer back in the day. How are you holding up? Um, Pretty good. Today is the first day the show floor opens, so I think things are about to get maybe a little crazier than they have been. Um but I'm ready. You're totally ready. Have you already been, I assume, so typically when we go to CES, there are a lot of like early shows, preview events that we attend um, and meetings with other companies and stuff. I assume you've been running around all over Las Vegas for the past week? Yeah. I mean, not as much as uh, some, some of the folks here, but definitely um, have uh, seen a lot more than I maybe thought I would even going in. <laughs> um, does it seem to you like the companies are like eager to get back going with CES and doing in-person stuff? It feels like in general, we've missed this, even though we sort of, I, I've grown to hate CES over 10 years, but that's just me and my cold dead heart. Uh, but are people eager to be there? Or are you excited to be there again? Yeah, I think it's a little bit weird still because it's, and maybe it's because we've been gone for so long, but it still feels like a little bit different than, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. than previous years. Um, there's definitely excitement, like, seeing people you haven't seen in a while, you know, even 
talking to people on the floor. They're like, oh yeah, this is our first year back too. Like everyone's kind of like still like getting into it. I think, you know, like the people that are here, especially the smaller companies, of course, like they're excited that, you know, to, to be here and, you know, get in front of people. Absolutely. And this is actually, this is your first CES with Engadget. Also, I think probably the first time you've meeting a lot of people on the team too, right? Yeah, that's right. It's been, uh, <laughs> it's been a lot of fun to actually like meet It's everyone. so weird. Carissa got hired like right basically before the pandemic began. So that meant we were all just remote. Don't, yeah. We're not saying we're blaming her for the <laughs> pandemic, but... I can't help but notice the timing yeah. there. <laughs> the timing. Um so, Carissa, you typically cover social media. Has there been actually anything like along your beat that you found at the show? Um, not yet. I have a few things on my schedule uh, later this week that might might turn into something. There's a lot of like metaverse kind of stuff, but um, nothing that's really caught my eye just yet. Gotcha. Is it What's the most interesting thing you've seen so far? Um, well... One of the most interesting things I actually can't talk about yet. It's going up uh, okay. later today, but I think it's going to be pretty cool. Um, there is some cool TV tech here, though. Like there was uh, a TV that I haven't actually seen yet, but uh, Sherlyn went to go see it. Where it like wireless TV that like vacuums to the wall. Yeah, the suction um, TV. Yeah. We've talked about. <laughs> yeah, it. a lot of like a lot of people have been talking about that. Um, I mean, there's always cool TVs here. Um, but definitely, definitely interesting to see like more wireless TVs. Mm-hmm. Have you gone through? Did LG do another like wall of OLEDs? Again, it's usually worth walking through their booth just for like whatever the heck they they put up there. Yeah, maybe they have. I mean, today's the first day that it opens, so I haven't I haven't actually been into the the floor yet. I am going okay to LG Display later. They always have the cool, um, you know, bendy OLED panels and like all their really cool um, cutting edge stuff. So I'm looking forward to that. Gotcha. What's the silliest thing you've seen so far? Because you've done you've probably done Pepcom and CES Unveiled, which are like the big preview events. What what weird stuff? Have you come across? Oh man. Um, <laughs> well, there was uh, the like emotional support pillow thing. The pillow, yeah, yeah. the huggy pillow. Yeah. Um, that was strange. Um, <laughs> I feel like they should just give that to to everybody attending CES. <laughs> yeah, we just all it should come with the lanyard, uh-huh, shouldn't uh-huh. it? Yeah, put it in the backpack that they give out sometimes. Yeah. Have you met Paula Abdul? Um, I saw her. I did not actually go hang out with her, but um, <laughs> I saw her. I can confirm she was there at Pepcom. Uh huh. That's so cool. She seems. Can you really confirm she is tiny? She is. <laughs> <laughs> That's our main takeaway, and she's doing smart glasses. We'll hear more about that from Sherlyn at some point. Uh, but it's cool. Like how? So how are you? You have been there since when? Since Monday. Carissa? Yes. So we typically fly in like pretty much after the new year and we all kind of settle in. Um, we are going to be deciding the Engadget CES awards soon. Um, what are you feeling good about? Because um, I know what, what is your awards category? We can't uh, spoil who's going to win, but we could talk about the process. Yeah. My awards category is tech for good, which is kind of a new one um, that we're sort of combining like sustainability and like environmental stuff into kind of like this broader I guess kind of feel good category um I don't really know exactly and the cushion is gonna win probably then honestly it's been hard to find stuff like we've been you know they have CS even has this like sustainability kind of like as an actual theme this year and you know we've been going to every single thing that we can find that's like um you know we're doing uh, smart composting or, you know, this recycling or, you know, whatever it is. And it's been like pretty difficult to find things that can actually qualify. Like there are some interesting things here. Unfortunately, like some of them are 
just not new. Like there was this um, garbage can that provides like data analysis for restaurants about like their food okay. waste, um, okay. which is pretty cool. Yeah. But, you know, it's like a year old. So um, <laughs> a lot of that. That's also one of the, I think maybe the consequences of like CES coming back now is that there's a lot of stuff here that they're showing off at CES for the first time, but it's actually been out for like a year. So uh, makes it a little difficult for us. Yeah, that's kind of actually. I think other shows are going to be doing that too. I saw the Sundance lineup that's going to be happening at the end of this month. They're actually going to show some some movies that premiered last year at Sundance because people want to see it at the show. So I guess that makes sense. Cool. Any any major takeaways, Krista? Like, what are you looking forward to? Like, as you guys are starting to wrap up the show? Yeah, I mean, just one thing that has been cool to see, especially for me, since I, you know, don't usually get to cover uh, these things so often anymore is, you know, I remember, like, I feel like for the past few years, we've been seeing a lot of, um, you know, flexible displays, foldable devices, kind of, you know, um, you know, a lot of companies kind of, like, experimenting with this type of tech. And, you know, the earlier shows when we would see these, they look, they seemed pretty prototypey, I guess, you know? Yeah. Like, these yeah. did not seem like something that was ready at all. Like, they're kind of cool concepts. Um, so it's been kind of cool to see these companies now, like, move this pretty far along. So we're starting to see more of these in actual products people are going to be able to buy. They look a lot more um, finished. So like, to me, that's cool if you're somebody who, you know, sort of gets excited about new display tech or just kind of like interesting form factors. Thank you so much, Krista. Where can we find you on the internet these days? Um, I mean, I'm still technically on Twitter, not tweeting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not tweeting as much <laughs> these days. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're all like Twitter with caveats. Uh, yeah. Are you on Mastodon or anything else yet? Uh, I am on Mastodon. I need to start using mm-hmm. it. Um, okay. Yeah, find find Chris and Mastodon if you can. Um, I feel like Mastodon does feel like a good energy, even though the crowd there can be annoying at times. But yeah, thank you so much, Chris. Thank you. Let's move on to our pop culture picks. And uh, Matt, what do you have for us this week? Uh, so I have, as always, a not particularly contemporary one. <laughs> um, I've started playing a lot of the Assassin's Creed games, even though I've played a lot of them in the past. I started playing Valhalla and then PlayStation Plus Extra took it off the free games. Aww. So that I will never you play have, that game you have now, to buy it now. out of a sulk. No, I will never play it now because they've ruined it for yeah. me. Yeah. So I went back and replayed uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey. So that was one of my Christmas Odyssey's games. Fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's quite fun. Um, played as the man this time. So that was a little bit different. Um, but yeah, it's it just reminds me that none of these streaming services... They don't always. They aren't always going to work how you want them to. I mean, I've seen. I know people when with uh, the Xbox's Game Pass. Like sometimes they will take games off the service they do. as well. They and do. Yeah. These companies just need to telegraph it a lot better. So I had no idea why it stopped working. It's unclear, to, but also like I think the yeah. idea of like, hey, this is in the library now. It could leave the library. Um, it does. Xbox also does a thing where you get it. You could buy it at a discount. So I did that for Spirit That Fair would be smart. And a couple yeah, games. I was like, I, okay, this is going soon, but if you want to keep playing it, here, have a deal, you know? Yeah, it was dis- it's discounted at the moment because of January sales. But um, yeah, they just, it wouldn't hurt them to program in yeah, uh, like a pop-up. Yeah. You get pop-ups for all kinds Sony's of stuff so bad on consoles Sony's now. so bad about their user yeah. experience in general. Um, did you ever play Assassin's Creed uh, Origin? Uh, I've heard that is the I one. I love and Origin. Yes, I have. I love yeah, Origin. I like Origin. So Origin's not see it. Uh, are vying for my affections for sure. Uh, honestly, like um, took that concept into like big superhero mode. Like you just get all the power super early, and like everything feels too big. Whereas Origins was like, oh, this is grounded. This is a nice story, and eventually, yeah, and they introduced the the bird part mm-hmm. quite nicely. I felt like that was the one that kind of pulled that off the best. But I'm thinking because on PlayStation Plus you do get 
some of the older ones, but they're remastered now. So I think Assassin's Creed 3 is my favorite. So I might replay that, perhaps. It's uh, uh, it, it is amazing, like it, how far <laughs> this show has come. So, like this game has come so far. To to be honest, mm. like I remember hating the first Assassin's Creed because like great concept, but as a game, it was not great. Like actually, uh, the storyline and playing it, but two really really got things going. So yeah, great. Thank you, Matt. How about you? What's your pick this? For week? my pick, actually, it, it's a whole bunch of things. I'm gonna cheat. <laughs> I'm just gonna feature uh, the top ten. Of 2022 movies uh, that I chose for my podcast, The Filmcast. So check that out uh, over at thefilmcast.com. Um, I've given you all a lot of recommendations. And if you want to hear like the, my top tops of the year, they're actually in there in text, but I'm not going to spoil it here. Um, everything you want to catch up on from last year that you may not have. Um, I, I think every movie we mentioned is pretty good. And we all kind of agreed on number one, too, which I was happy to see. Like, that just felt really good. So check out the Filmcast Top 10 Movies of 2022. Thanks for joining us, folks. Our theme music is by game composer Dale North. Our outro music is by our very own managing editor, Terrence O'Brien. The podcast is produced by Ben Elman. You can find Matt online at... Where, where can you find you, Matt? Uh, I am still on Twitter, but hardly using it as well, at that Matt Smith. That's Matt with one T. And the same uh, name at Instagram. I guess I'm on there a little bit more. And yeah, you can catch me on those platforms. Very cool. Yeah, I, I'm still like in the process of trying to leave Twitter, but I keep getting right back in. So anyway, I'm at Devendra on Twitter. I'm also at Devendra at Mastodon.social over on Mastodon. You can join me there. And uh, yeah, follow me in the uh, Filmcast podcast as well. Email us at podcastandgadget.com. Leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe on anything that gets podcasts, including Spotify. This thing looks like a nightmare. It looks like it was not made for anybody who actually has to sit on the toilet.